0: Saturday morning in the mid-1990s, you're sitting cross-legged in front of the TV, that bright blue Warner Brothers logo appears, Bugs Bunny leaning against it, snacking on a carrot, and then it's wiped to black. An orchestra starts playing a series of minor notes, and the words, The Adventures of Batman and Robin, fill the screen. Triumphant music swells as the heroes walk to the Batmobile. You find yourself faux-conducting to the bombastic score. Batman the Animated Series, including its second season, The Adventures of Batman and Robin, is one of the most celebrated DC achievements of all time. Composer Shirley Walker provided the soundtrack to the sophomore season of the series, giving us those dark themes and tones we wanted, years before Chris Nolan gave us frog in my throat Batman and an incomprehensible Bane. Walker was born Shirley Ann Rogers on April 10, 1945, in Napa, California. By the time she was in high school, she was already a piano soloist for the San Francisco Symphony. In high school, I played the trombone for my school marching band, so I can totally understand Walker's life. For the first several years of her career in music, Walker worked in jingles and wrote music for industrial films. In 1967, she married Dawn Walker. This followed by the birth of two children in the 1970s. Through all of this, like so many badass women, Shirley kept working. Only by working, we mean she was both composing jingles and scores, and playing in orchestras and jazz bands in the San Francisco area. It wasn't until 1979 that she would enter Hollywood. You can hear Walker playing synth on Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. For her work, she earned a co-composer credit. It was her first taste of feature film work, but it would not be her last. The industry was still largely male. The film, score, and composing industry, that is, I realize I could be talking about basically any well-respected industry because of that oh-so-wonderful glass ceiling. But in that respect, Walker was a revolution by simply existing and creating on her own terms. In 1986, just seven years after making her feature film debut, Walker joined the board of the Society of Composers and Lyricists. By then, she'd worked on five more film scores. She knew the industry, and she knew what it was like to work in the industry. And she wasn't going to let it continue, because, as I said earlier, bad ass. Walker became a de facto knight in shining armor for composer rights. She wanted to make the profession better and more welcoming to new talent. In 1988, Shirley became Madam President of the SCAL. I wonder what it'd be like to have a woman president? <sighs> Younger composers, women, remember her as someone who recognized how important her accessibility and visibility were for them. Laura Cartman, composer on WGN's much-lauded Underground, among many other projects, remembers, I first met Shirley in 1987. I was the only female fellow at the Sundance Institute, and I came there with absolutely no film music experience. I soon encountered Shirley, who, shockingly, was not there as an advisor, but rather as the wife of an advisor. I quickly realized the musical powerhouse whose presence I was in. When I asked Shirley why she wasn't there as an advisor, she looked at me, paused for a moment, and then knowingly tipped her head to the side. What followed was three weeks of coaching with Shirley. She worked with me on my first film music compositions and encouraged me against my own huge personal fears and doubts, to get up in front of the orchestra. She guided me through conducting my cue and mentored me through what was to be my first success in film music. Here's Shirley herself speaking about the Batman The Animated Series theme. The basis for the animated Batman theme is very simple. Sounds like this. And with some harmony, it's like this. In 1990, Walker kicked off one of the most long-standing partnerships in her career. She was hired to write music for a television adaptation of DC Comics' The Flash. If you haven't seen the 1990 predecessor to the CW's much um, flashier version. Please do yourself a favor and look it up immediately. I'll wait. Composing the themes would be Tim Burton's partner for life, Danny Elfman. Shirley actually co-composed 1989's Batman along with Elfman. She would go on to work on Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, and Batman Beyond, among others. You could hear her influence across the different shows, and it created what the viewers might today call Big Mood. Her work in Staples of Geek Culture weren't limited to DC, however. She also worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Spawn, Space, Above and Beyond. In an interview with Cinemusic.net, she said, I'm just a fanboy nerd at heart. Y'all, I love Shirley Walker. There's a clip of Walker breaking down her theme for Batman, the animated series, and you can hear in her music how deeply she understands the music, and what the music means to the show. There's a moment where she plays a piece of music she called a loping kind of rhythmic accompaniment. She goes on to describe how this could be used. Over that, the theme could float, or you could float busy, high, melodic stuff that gives you a filler to have some really neat visual action take place. That's a keen eye of the technical and emotional genius. I would cut my sincerity with a joke, but I won't, because that's how much I've fallen for Shirley Walker. Russell Brower, a sound designer on the show, remembered working with Shirley. Of the myriad composers and musical directors with whom I worked on Warner Brothers projects during those years, Shirley was the only person who spotted every frame of every episode with me, determining as a team how best to approach each scene. Music and sound, working together as partners and not as adversaries later on the dub stage, profoundly and positively affected not only that series, but the whole of my creative experience. In 1996, Walker won a Daytime Emmy for her work as music director for Batman the Animated Series, And she followed that Emmy up with another in 2001 for her work on Batman Beyond. My girl Walker was straight killing it. While working on all these DC projects, Walker was still taking on film work. In 1992, she again represented a pioneering moment. John Carpenter directed a film called Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and Shirley scored it. By doing so, she became one of the first female composers to be solo credited with a film score on a major motion picture. Let's not dwell on the fact that this film industry waited until 1990-freaking-2 for this milestone. Be right back. Rage break. Okay. I'm back. So, Shirley Walker was not only one of the few female composers, she was also unique in that she scored, conducted, and orchestrated her own music. She said, When I realized that I was not conducting my own music, I would be perceived as not being able to conduct. I began doing my own conducting. Shirley knew the importance of perceptions and what assumptions could be made about her. This triple duty made her an extremely valuable resource and partner for fellow composers and film producers. Shirley worked as a conductor for Elfman and Hans Zimmer of Inception fame, and so many other composers. She often co-composed alongside them, and because she could orchestrate and conduct, Elfman rarely did either, she would handle that aspect of the film scoring as well. You'll hear Shirley Walker's influence on some of the most beloved films in recent history. A League of Their Own, Days of Thunder, White Fang, True Lies, the list goes on. In 1999, she was brought on to the Ben Stiller movie, Mystery Men. I know. (laughs) The majority of the score had been done by a man named Stephen Warbeck. Walker was hired to compose additional music. She said of the experience, It's delicate because I'm asked to take a hatchet to an existing score while the film keeps the credit of the first composer. She continued, speaking of the difficulty of working within an already built framework, I find it to be the most pressured situation I'm ever in. I'm being asked to create something that will be compatible with the existing music while helping the pacing of the film. Shirley had a deep understanding of how music contributes to a film and worked hard to make sure her work was the best narrative tool it could be. Walker put those tools to good use when she signed on to score the first Final Destination movie in 2000. She said of the score, I like my background music to be invisible unless it's intended to be in your face. I don't think the suspense and death scenes are very low-key. This film had a lot of suspense and a lot of death. I saw it in the theater when I was 16, and I don't think I've ever fully recovered. What a treat for me to get to write a piece that calls you into the movie and lets you know something bad is going to happen from the get-go, she told Cinemusic.net. Our girl Shirley had a dark side, clearly. But Walker's work shone. She went on to compose the scores for both sequels. In 2014, the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers created an award in her honor which celebrates people whose achievements have contributed to the diversity of film and television music. Here are the inaugural winners of the award, Wendy Melvoin and Lisa Coleman, speaking about Shirley to the ASCAP. that ASCAP uh, decided to give Shirley the proper due, and she deserves more, Um, that we are holding a torch for that and getting an award for that is huge. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to accept the award and be excited for ourselves when we really feel that Shirley has deserved this kind of recognition for years and years. Shirley Walker died in November 2006, just eight months after her husband of 40 years. She died having scored more major movies than any other American woman. Walker's impact cannot be denied. When she passed away, the SCAL said, her legacy will be her tireless energies in improving our profession and mentoring the many talented composers that will be forever indebted to her. We couldn't have said it better ourselves. Forgotten Women of Genre is a production of Sci-Fi Wire Fangirls. Today's episode was written and read by Preeti Chipper and produced by Cher Martinetti. You can find the script of this episode and so much more at scififangirls.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at scififangirls.